You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 808 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning to start the new week with us. Thank you, as always, for listening to this podcast. If you missed it, on Thursday and Friday, we reacted in full to the NBA Draft Lottery results first with the solo podcast featuring myself and Insta Reactions. And then on Friday, I posted a new podcast with Jackson Frank of the Step Back and Dime and Gonzaga Beat and Philadelphia 76ers Beat, etc. about all kinds of options for the Hawks at number 6 overall. Uh, that is sort of a part one of this part two. Jackson and I did talk for about 35-40 minutes about Atlanta's options at number 6 overall. So you definitely want to listen to that podcast. Uh, and this one it was it was actually recorded at the same time on Friday. I split it up into two episodes. But this podcast that you're about to listen to is more uh, centered on the top five and what might unfold ahead of the Hawks who sort of set the stage for Atlanta, as well as there is some discussion about uh, the Hawks' second-round pick at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for all of that. But I want to sort of set the stage for you, let you know that this was recorded on Friday, but nothing's really changed since then, and uh, plenty to discuss and plenty to get into in the coming days. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Make sure that you catch up on Friday's show. And without further delay, here's part two with Jackson Frank. And uh, with that, we will move on to non-Hawks considerations, but... This all impacts the Hawks. I want to start at the top, which is an interesting decision that the Wolves now have at number one overall. Um, Most are assuming that it's going to be Anthony Edwards. I am not quite there yet on that. Uh, I guess two different questions. What would you do at number one and what you think the Wolves will do at number one? (laughs) Yeah, it's a a really interesting spot. It's, you know, um, for them at least, because they... They have. They are building around two guys who are quite poor defensively in D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell and and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so it, you know, as as great as number one pick is, never a bad thing to have the number one pick. But I think they would have been a team that benefited from finding a complimentary complimentary guy in that maybe that six to eight range where the Hawks are. Um, I think I would go Lamelo. Um, I'm not someone who's a big fan of D'Angelo Russell, and I, I remain just a huge fan of Lamelo. I think he, for me, even if he's in the same same year as a few other guys, I think he's he's kind of increasingly become my clear cut number one guy for a little while now. Um, I think you just go with the best player available, um, even if you know, even if it it means you know marginalizing D'Lo to an extent. I I just think. Lamelo is really talented, and, and you can't pass up the, the best player in the draft. I don't think Velo is someone who should really affect you that much. I understand why it probably will impact how Minnesota approaches it. For me personally, I wouldn't let it. I think Lamelo is is such a good passer, such a smart player. Um, I buy the jumper a lot, especially the, the growth he's made for how young he is and his kind of his inherent touch, uh, which can be an ambiguous term. But I think with Lamelo, it's it's pretty clear that he has some some impressive uh, shooting indicators in terms of how, when you watch him play. So uh, that's where I would go, but I think they'll probably go with Anthony Edwards, which is a fine pick too. Edwards is a guy that, you know, is still top three on my board. Um, but it just does create a lot of team building issues because as poor as Lamelo is defensively, I think he's bad there. I don't think he's as bad as some people suggest. I think Ant is more damaging. He's better in isolation. He's a better on ball defender, uh, but he's such a bad team defender. He doesn't really understand how to navigate switches, screens, 
uh, one to rotate, one to stay at home. And when you have three guys as your kind of building blocks there, it's it's really tough to to create a, a high-level team, um, as good as the offense could be with those three in, in town. Yeah, this is one of those uh, things where practicality comes into play because – Obviously, they've invested so heavily in Russell uh, in a way that I w- certainly would not have. I don't think Russell is particularly great, um, but he has that relationship with Towns. They're invested in him. Uh, I, th- I do think that if you're looking for maybe a reason why the Wolves may not just take Edwards and move on, is that Gerson Rosas has some uh, Daryl Morey background, and he might just might, he might just be a best player available guy and not care. Um, I I think if you're I think if you're a Wolves fan, you should probably be hoping that in my opinion. Um, obviously. Lamelo and D'Angelo Russell is not going to work, in my opinion, long term. But I wouldn't, I still wouldn't let that bother me. I would take Lamelo too. Um, but Edwards is fine. It's not like they can't take Edwards. It would be perfectly reasonable. I think it'll surprise everyone if it's not one of those two guys. I guess if, unless they trade it for some reason. But uh, I think it's probably a two man race because uh, even the guy who. I know I'm a little bit lower on. I think you might be as well. Uh, and James Wiseman, that's often mocked up there. They're not taking him with Carl Anthony Towns. So, yeah, I think it's a two man race <laughs> at least. Yeah, this. This feels like a like I mean obviously anytime you're the number one pick it's important but it feels like even more important for Minnesota especially because they don't have a pick next year in a draft that's a lot better at the top um, the first you know the lottery of the top ten um, and you know you don't want to think about it too much but like there comes a time where Towns is probably going to think about wanting to get out you know he's he's going to be entering his sixth year and if they're continuing to, to basically be a bottom feeder in the West. Um, Players don't like that, and so I think hitting this hitting this pick is really really important for them. Um, it all I mean like it, it always is for number one pick, but I think especially this year with the fact they don't have another year to lean, you know, they can't just say, oh, you know, we'll we'll fig- we'll kind of let these guys get their get their feet wet and figure it out for a year, and then you know we'll get we'll have another really good pick and a and a better draft. Uh, they don't have that luxury; they got to figure it out now because um, <laughs> the you know the clock is ticking with a with a superstar or a star player like Town who's a top twenty ish top 20 player and really good despite his, his defensive deficiencies. For sure. Uh, a lot of pressure on them, uh, quite obviously, I think, at this point in time. And then you have the Warriors, which is a different kind of pressure. At number two, uh, everyone has already mentioned this. It's not This is not groundbreaking at all, but the Warriors are at least going to explore trades. They, may not, <laughs> they don't have to trade the pick, but they're going to at least try, I'd imagine. Um, but if they don't, trade the pick because you know projecting fake trades isn't very hard and we're not gonna, we're, I'm not going to do it. Um, but if they don't trade it, and let's assume that Edwards goes one. Do you just take Lamelo because it's not? It's an interesting fit in Golden State with kind of a lot of different guys that they could mention. And again, I would just try to trade it and almost, almost. I don't want to say you have to, but I would be leaning heavily in that direction. But assuming that they don't, it's an interesting pick. Yeah, I just go Lamelo. Um, similar thing. Like even if you don't want him, um, you know, I you know I hate to say they can trade it, but like they can. Like if, if they take Lamelo and then a month later, you know, or I guess. If someone calls him up right after they take Lamelo or whatever, um, the Knicks. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Knicks have exactly what they would I mean. They have Mitch Rob, but they're going to offer him. I think Mitch Rob makes a lot of sense um, in Golden State, which has a you know has a, a gap at center. I'd imagine they'll probably try and fill that uh, via free agency. But um, Mitch Rob makes some sense there as kind of a, a platoon center because he can't play a ton of minutes because of his fouling habits. But um, obviously, you can't just do Lamelo for for Mitch Rob <laughs> straight up or anything, but kind of as the centerpiece there. Um, I think it makes some sense along with some future picks or whatever. But but yeah, I would go LaMelo. Um, I just think he's the best player available. Ideally for them, it's, you know, Minnesota takes LaMelo and Ant falls to them. I think Ant fits better, fits easier initially into a secondary role with his cutting and its ability to post up mismatches uh, via switches and 
I think he'll be a pretty good spot-up shooter off the catch, and he can attack closeouts uh, because of the explosiveness. Um, I think he makes a lot more sense there immediately, and they're a team that, you know, Clay and Draymond and Steph's window isn't going to last forever. All those guys, I think, are 30-ish or older by this point. So um, their best outcome is, is getting Ant, I think, in terms of they're going to keep that player, whoever they take. But I think it'll probably be um, LaMelo based on the fact that I think Minnesota goes Ant. Yeah, I think if they, if you made me choose someone to take, I would just take Melo if Ant is gone as well. Um, I'm not sure how that would work, but I'd be really fascinated by it, to be honest with you. And I do think that LaMelo's basketball IQ would work well there. I'd just be interested to see how he would function as a... I mean, I guess he might be a primary-ish eventually, because you know Steph's so good off the ball that it wouldn't be that, that much of a problem. But uh, yeah, I'd just be fascinated by a number of different things with LaMelo in Golden State, even though that's who I would take uh, if I had the option to do that. But before we get to the rest of the top five uh, and much, much more, of course, on the podcast, a word from our sponsors today, and the first of which is CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, though, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. First, CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints at a convenient, easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. And from there, CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer, they are offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that is CBDMD.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your first purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar, and Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you many times in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and a personal favorite of mine with cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they are very, very soft and easy to chew. From there, it is crucial to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious, and you can even maintain or lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for those of us on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order from Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. The next one is even, I wouldn't say more interesting, but... uh almost like Minnesota is extremely dire. I think Charlotte just has to hit this pick um, because of everything that Charlotte has going for them. Obviously, Deont- Devontae Graham was a nice find for them. He, he played well this year and tailed off a little bit. But they just don't have a lot of uh, stuff going on on this roster. They have a couple guys that you like, but no super high upside pieces. And if you have a top three pick, you kind of got to hit it if you're Charlotte, you're not a free agent, de- free agent destination, etc. Um, but if Ant and LaMelo go 1-2... I don't. I'm not really sure what they are going to do. I guess I would assume practically in the real world they might go with James Wiseman. That's not what I would do. But uh, what do you think that they should be evaluating right now if the disaster scenario happens for them and uh, the top two guys are gone? Yeah, they're in a they're in a tough spot. Like they're not they're not in a tough spot on my board. Like I have clear guys I would take. But the issue is I think the three guys that you know are probably going to be in consideration for that those next three spots to consume the top five would be Avdia, Wiseman, and Toppin, I think would be the three most likely candidates. And those aren't guys that I would really prioritize there. Um, as you know, I think 
I, I'm a fairly big fan of Denny. Obviously, I'm lower on him than many people, but I'm not not out of him by any means. I don't think he's he's worth the guy at three. I like Killian Hayes or Nyeka Kongwa there for them, but I think that's probably higher than those guys are going to go um, by a little bit. Yeah. I think for a little bit there was there were some rumors and reports that Okongu had maybe surpassed Wiseman as a on something with big boards, but it seems like that's kind of died down in recent months, unfortunately. Um, so I, yeah, it's a tough spot. I guess like I would probably like I would probably just say screw it and go Killian Hayes. Um, they still need a long-term ball handler there. Um, I think Delonte Graham projects more as a secondary guy. Um, you know, I think he just, he just can't really score inside the arc very well. He's obviously a very, very good pull-up shooter, and his passing was quite impressive this year. Obviously, you saw more of that with, of his at Kansas, but um, I don't think he's the guy to, to really run your offense when you're ideally trying to make the playoffs again. So that's where I would go. But, yeah, it's not a great spot. Like, it's just a spot where you should want to trade down. If Killian's your guy, trade down to, like, eight. If you can't, you know, get the Knicks up there and the Knicks can take top in or whatever. Maybe somehow LaMelo falls to three um, for whatever reason. If the Warriors want to go wide than the two because they have a, a, a gap at center. So, um, yeah, I would just go Killian, but it's it's not a really good spot for them because the guys that are going to be most, the guys that are going to probably go top five aren't ones that I would consider, and the guys that I would consider aren't going to go top five. So it's a it's not a great spot for Charlotte by any means. Right, and this is where being practical matters. And once the intel is out there, and we kind of can know at least roughly what is realistic and what isn't, you know, obviously, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Poku in some respects, where people might take him in the top five, and that's just not going to happen in the real world. Um, same thing with this situation for Charlotte. Like, I think we can be honest with ourselves and say that they're probably not going to take Killian Hayes. Um, they could. I mean, that, it wouldn't stun me that much. But even if that's what I would do and what you would do in that situation. We have to at least try to be practical. Um, and, you know, Wiseman would be a very Hornets pick. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think he's where they would go. Like, I would be pretty surprised if he's not they, where they land up. Um, I think you know, there's such a gaping hole obviously, for them at center. Um, Zeller's a nice player, but he's on a huge contract and has struggled to stay healthy the last few years. Um, they've got P.J. Washington as kind of their, their versatile four-man um, but I think Wiseman is the, the pick there. Um, if not him, I would like I would go Denny before Wiseman, but I don't think they'll they'll go there. Um, yeah, probably not. I mean, and, and again, like we'll transition to the guy to the teams at four and five. But Charlotte is in a, again a, a weird spot because they don't really have the recent blue chip draft picks that Chicago and Cleveland have, or the assets that they really like, like Chicago and Cleveland have. Obviously, Devonte Graham, but he was not someone that they invested in. He popped this year, but. PJ Washington is a role player, and he's a—I think he's—he's he's pretty interesting. But he's not someone that they're like building around. The Bulls have guys that they're at least theoretically building around with between Levine and a recent lottery pick and Kobe White, and then Wendell Carter, the previous year lottery pick and the previous year lottery pick, Laurie Markkinen. They've had—they have all kinds of like top ten recent draft picks to build around, and then the Cavs have all the guards, and then they have KPJ. Uh, at least they have some pieces that they seemingly like a little bit more and they're more interested in. And that kind of leads people to projecting both the Bulls and the uh, Cavs to take more role-player-y types who we may like actually even more than some of the other guys. But do you have a, a favorite fit for either Chicago, Cleveland, or both? Uh, I like I like Denny for Chicago a good bit. Um, you know, we're talking about practicality and I think that's, you know, he's a guy who's going to go top five, top six. Um, I think he's the most viable option there. They need more defense. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move on from, from Lowry. I know Lowry had a, a tough year and was maybe kind of turning around a little bit. 
um, before the season, before their season was, I guess, canceled or whatever you want to call it for those, those delete eight. Um, <laughs> but I, that's where I would go. I think they need more. I think he's someone who I, who can handle some offense and they need better decision makers to run some offense. You know, Levine has really, you know, Levine's a very good scorer, very talented scorer, but he's never fared very well in metrics because I think he's a really, really bad decision maker. And part of that is his own doing. Part of that is him being cast into a role above his, you know, ability. Uh, Kobe White is kind of that similar vein where I think he's a pretty good scorer. I liked especially what we saw post All Star break. I like his shooting upside, but he's not someone I want to run very much offense through. Whereas Denny, I think, is a, a pretty sound decision maker. You know, we've mentioned the slashing, mentioned the, the live real passing, which is impressive for a six nine guy. Um, and I like I like insulating Levine and Kobe with Wendell and and Denny at the inside. You know, two really good team defender guys who can help protect the rim um, for Levine and Kobe, who are to put it lightly not good defensively. Um, so, yes. um, and obviously, you know, Kobe. It's less egregious because Kobe was a rookie. Um, I think that's kind of who Levine is at this point, probably. So um, that's where I would go, and I think it makes the you know the most sense among the candidates for that that fourth overall pick. Yeah, and then you get into Cleveland, and you know Cleveland's defense has been legendarily poor the last couple of years, uh, and that leads to some discussion about like a Coro maybe as this like you know just shut down corner type defender, uh, but they can kind of do whatever they want to do too. Like they're not married. I'm sure they probably are practically married to at least one of their guards and maybe KPJ, but um, I know they have Andre Drummond as well and Kevin Love, but they could they could go with a Kongwu if they wanted to. They could go with Denny if he fell there. They could go with a Koro. They're kind of wide open um, other than maybe not drafting a small guard because, like, again, I might I might take Killian for Cleveland, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go a Kongwu. Um... I know they have Drummond, but they only have Drummond for one year. I think he's. I think he's. He said on the record he's going to pick up his player option there. Um, but they, yeah, so. they can't. They can't plan on him being there long term for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but the point being, yeah, even if even if Okongwu backs him up for a year, I don't think that's some huge issue by any means. Um, you don't. I mean, you can play him. Um, you can play Drummond twenty seven minutes a night, and Okongwu still finds minutes um, or something. So twenty minutes a night, twenty one minutes a night for a rookie would be totally fine. Um, so I would go Okongwu there. I think he's someone who. Projects to be pretty dang valuable on both ends. Um, can run an array of pick and roll screens, screens, schemes. He can switch. He can hedge. He can drop. Um, I think drop is probably his least good scheme, just because he is a little undersized for a center, but um, has still proven to be quite good there because of his ability to backpedal and quickly jump off the ground. Um, and then offensively, really good screen setter, really good roller. Um, I thought he got a lot better throughout the year as a passer too, which you know adds some value if you can do some short roll passing. Um, obviously pretty good in the post. Again, that's kind of where the size um, deficiency might you know, quell some of his post-up game, post game if he can finish with either hand. Um, you know, with, again, improved his ability to kick out of the post against double teams as the year went on. So um, I like that. I like that there. It has some face-up potential, too, that you can rely on him to go to scoring. Um, but I don't think he's going to be someone who really commands closeouts as a shooter, but I do like him as someone you can run the occasional pick-and-pop with. Um, even if he's not, you know, not a guy who's bombing five through the game or even reaching a John Collins level for a big, which John Collins, to John Collins' credit, is, is pretty impressive. So um, I think a Kong makes a lot of sense there because he can really kind of just fill the gaps on both sides of the ball for you. Yeah, I, I would be totally fine with that if I was a Cleveland observer and I, I plan to give Chris Manning and company a bunch of grief if they don't do that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what both those teams do. And, uh, and obviously that impacts the Hawks. Whatever happens at 
four and five or even three four and five has a direct impact on Atlanta because if Atlanta falls in love with player X and that player is now off the board um, maybe you get a situation like last year where you overpay to trade up or you have to go to plan B or whatever whatever happens to happen it's obviously too early to really know what's going to go on in two months or more when it comes to the draft but uh, direct impact from those couple spots ahead of Atlanta on what they might actually end up doing um before we move off to the first, I want to ask you at the very end about a couple second round options. But uh, this is a question I did not prep you for, so my apologies. But is there a, is there a favorite fit that you have, like player and team, outside the top seven, eight, nine picks that you just like think is awesome? Like for instance, it could be it could even be for your for your for the Sixers, the team that you cover the most. Um, if you have a favorite fit for them, or uh, is there some is there some form of partnership that you really uh, seem to like that is uh, just sitting out there for whatever team? Uh, well, you said seven, eight, nine. So you left the door open for ten, which was great by you. So thank you. Yeah, for that. perfect. Awesome. Uh, I love Tyrese Maxey to Phoenix. Um, I, I, think knew, I knew you great. would. I knew you would. <laughs> uh, I've <laughs> talked about it before, but I love that. Um, I think you know. I've mentioned how good Rubio was for Booker, and I think you know he's just not going to be there long term. He's already thirty-one, thirty-two, or whatever in his contract. I think only has two years left. Uh, Maxey can fill that role. He's someone who can kind of be that caretaker, secondary handler, um, just a better creator than. And Ruby, obviously, a lot less good passer, um, but I think kind of fills that similar role for them long term. So I really like that fit. Um, I just think that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, he's similar to Rubio and then he can guard both backcourt spots and can kind of play up. Um, Rubio's remarkable at that in terms of being able to fill and kind of wrestle, get, fill that both guard spots defensively and wrestle with bigger guys despite being, you know, nothing, not, not huge. I, can't, I don't know exactly what Rubio's measurements are, but he's not a big guard by any means. So I love that fit for the Sixers. Um, the, the the first one that comes to mind is Grant Riller. Um, you know, I think Desmond Bain is linked there a lot to them, and I, I like Desmond Bain. And, you know, I'm on the record as being a fan of his. Um, but they need someone more than just an off-ball shooter, and um, you know, Bain can play on the ball a little bit. He's, he really improved as a passer as last year at TCU. But they need someone who can create advantages like so desperately bad. Um, if you've watched any of their games throughout the year, and especially even without Ben Simmons now, they just don't have anyone besides Embiid who like forces teams to adjust how they play or forces you know defenses to react to stuff and Riller has such great burst such a good finisher um, similar to Bain that he improves a passer for the last couple of years so uh, I really like that fit I think it makes a lot of sense where there's a guy that I have just in the back end of my lottery on my board he's not going to go there by any means but I think once you get kind of starting the 20s there's not really there's not really like guys it's like okay they over they they, re- they reach for this guy because you know at that point it's like you're you're just kind of going for the best player, best player that fits with your team. So I really like that fit a ton because they just like, like I said, they just desperately need someone who can create advantages for them um, outside of Embiid because Embiid, you see the circles with Boston. Like, even though he can create advantages, like they don't really have anyone who can seemingly throw the throw an entry pass to him consistently. So um, if he can touch the ball, it, it's a lot tougher to to you know play off of him offensively. And I think Riller is someone who can obviously brings the ball up. So love that fit a lot, and I, I hope they go there, but. It doesn't necessarily seem like they will go there. Someone who who can create a shot uh, and or just make an open three would be uh, advisable for the Sixers, I would imagine, <laughs> uh, along the way. Okay, uh, last thing that I promise to let you go. Um, I think I might ask you the same question or at least a similar one last time I had you on, but the Hawks have this second-round pick 
at 50, it's not exactly the sexiest pick in the world. Uh, I got very excited because Sam Vecini mocked Killian Tilly to the Hawks, and uh, it's too early to care about mocks, but uh, that was my favorite possible fit. But uh, anybody that strikes you as like a potential guy who could be there that you like in Atlanta um, at 50, and again, I won't, hold, I won't hold you to it if they're off the board by then because we just don't know what's going to happen. But based on what you know and the intel that's out there, uh, give me a guy or two that you think might be all right at the, at the end of the second round. Yeah, so I think if, if Atlanta doesn't go guard with that with that lottery, if they go wing, Okoro, Vassell, even have D or something, I think a guy I like there, um, Malachi Flynn, uh, you know, he's, you know, Atlanta is, you know, one of their issues this past year was the lack of a backup point guard. Um, I know, you know, there's a chance they fill that need or that, that gap in free agency, which would also be proven there are some options out there for them. But um, if they decide to go a different route in free agency, I think Malachi Flynn makes a lot of sense there. He's a guy who's, kind of mocked in that range he might be gone by then um you know the Sixers have all these second round picks too so there's a chance that they take him um, with one of their second round picks i think the Sixers have three before atlanta's uh first in the second round um i think he makes a lot of sense there a guy like Cassius winston too makes some sense um yep. just a guy who can kind of be a sound decision maker and um you know run the offense to an extent um both guys are good shooters uh, I, I prefer flynn as an overall prospect because i think he's better creating a dribble to an extent and a much better defender. So um, I think both those guys make some sense. If you wanted to go with a wing, you'd go with a guy like Tyshawn Alexander. He's a little bit of a, he's kind of a smaller wing, but he can guard up a little bit. Um, I, I really love good, him. I absolutely really love good defender. So yep. those are kind of be three of my targets. I think just guys who can that fit well around Trey and, and Collins and Reddish and kind of and Hunter and that core they have going. Um, so those would be kind of three targets for me that, you know, that immediately, come to mind um i think maybe at least two of them maybe one of them will be available at 50 um, but as you mentioned it's tough because that's so late in the second round that you just don't really know um who's going to be taken because that second round can be kind of just a, a crapshoot of, of teams <laughs> or, or picks um based off whoever catches a, a scout's eye or an executive's eye it's always that way and it might even be worse this year um you could see uh pick sales you could see more stashes could be all kinds of stuff happening in the second round. So uh, I have to bring it up because I have to cover that pick, and it's uh, interesting enough to discuss. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to keep expectations a little bit low. There'll be guys that I love that are probably in my top 35 or 40 that are still available, and uh, the Hawks will just sell the pick or just do, do something else, I'm sure. But, alas, here we are. Uh, Jackson, thank you for joining me, man. This is awesome. Please take a second and plug everything that you got, that you got going on. I know you're sort of everywhere on the Internet, writing and uh publishing everything so people tell people where they can find all your stuff yeah uh so you can follow you can find my mba and mba draft work at fan size of step back and dime up rocks uh you can follow my sixers coverage uh at liberty ballers i've been focusing on some some playoff coverage um this week turning out a lot of stuff um for as long as their season uh lasts uh which doesn't seem very much longer might be done with the end yep. of the week but uh then you can follow me on twitter at jack frank underscore jjf i post all my my pieces there and then I've got a link to my Patreon where I do some NBA draft stuff, do some NBA stuff um, a couple times a month, once a month, every now and then. So uh, that's where all my content can be found. Um, for the time being, I just posted a thing about the six. I wrote a thing on Liberty Ballers about the Sixers. Uh, last week I wrote about Mikhail Bridges. Um, hoping to have a piece on Alexi Pokashevsky, who we didn't really mention um, much in the next two weeks or so. But uh, yeah, all that can be found uh, on my Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. 
Follow Jackson. Uh, Poku is very interesting, so I'm sure that will be a good piece to uh, dive into. He is uh, someone that I'll obviously be talking about a bunch in the future. I know uh, Brian Schroeder just wrote about him as well for Dime, where we both write, and that was a, a fun piece to read through. So, yeah, Poku's a fun guy. But thanks, as always, for joining me, my friend. I might beg you to come back when we, when we get closer. We'll see what happens. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, uh, happy to come on. It seems like there might be a report that draft is moving back to november so maybe there's another another two weeks or three weeks of talking draft which uh oh man it's good it's good or bad i don't know indifferent at this point so uh yeah maybe we'll we'll be around again but obviously uh <laughs> yeah appreciate appreciate you having me on for sure we'll run it back and as for everybody else please subscribe to the podcast tell a friend and we'll see you next time